What happens when work is purposeful? Impact happens, needles move, and we build better. I'm Elena Kersey, and welcome to The Purpose Effect, the podcast where you learn how to create work lives of purpose from the women who are doing it. So asking yourself really good questions, first of all, about whether the thing that you're buying must be bought, must be bought new, could be bought locally, and whether the, the particular item has been made as ethically and sustainably as it could be. I feel on purpose when I'm consuming less, when I can feel like I'm not stealing from future generations to have stuff that I'm not entitled to or I, or I don't need. I worry that we're taking so much more of the planet's resources than what the planet can sustain. And I want to be part of the solution on that. With Black Friday in our rearview mirror and Christmas just around the corner, I want to take a minute to talk about gifts. This year, it's estimated that $8.3 billion will be spent on unwanted gifts. Households that celebrate Christmas produce 30% more waste at this time of year. Millions and millions of portions of food are wasted including enough gravy to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. There must be a better way of doing this. If we're spending and consuming anyway, how can we do this so that more people benefit and the planet and future generations don't lose out? To learn about better gift-giving, I spoke to Christine Langdon, co-founder and chief of good at The Good Registry. The Good Registry is a New Zealand-based social enterprise that allows you to set up gift registries so your family and friends can gift to the charities you want to support on your behalf. It also allows you to purchase gift cards so that you can give someone not only the joy of giving, but a gift that really counts. Christine and I talk about changing the conversation around gifting, the real environmental and social impact gift giving can have, And one of my favorite parts of this conversation, how we can give our kids the best gift possible, a healthier planet, by having conversations about more mindful gifting right now. But to kick things off, Christine talks to me about how the Good Registry was born. I loved my work. I I really don't think I've ever been in a job that I didn't love. And I think that that's a really important thing to, to enjoy your work and to find it rewarding But the job that I was in, what I was noticing was that I felt constrained by the corporate values and the corporate priorities. And of course, it has to be like that when you're working for a business. And I had this strong internal sense that I wanted to go and do my own thing, create something that was core to what was important to me and I didn't know what that was I just knew that I needed to create some space so that I could work it out so I quit the corporate job without a plan and the plan was to create a blog that was called my kinder life and I thought that through living a life that was kinder to myself and others that was very centered around mindfulness and living mindfully I'd work out what it was that I wanted to do And I was doing a lot of meditation and a lot of mindful activities and things that gave me space and clarity. And there were a few things in that experience, in that journey, just within my first six weeks of having left work and blogging and living a bit differently and thinking a bit differently 
that helped me to see that the things that really gave me joy in life were creativity and contribution and community and living consciously and that the thing that I could create could be something that gave me more of that and gave others more of that as well. So a community that gives in some way. And for me, from my past experience, I'd always found it easier to give when it was kind of more giving of my time or foregoing money that I hadn't received. So for example, I had taught yoga for koha. The, the concept of koha in New Zealand is, is, a, is a gift, um, a donation. And I would teach for koha and uh, my students got to choose where that koha would go. So for example, at Christmas time, we were able to donate hundreds of dollars to women who were in women's refuge so that they could have some joy at Christmas time. And that gave me so much joy, that sense that I was making that contribution, but through my yoga students who were making the actual financial contribution. So I was wondering, how can I give other people that way to contribute to things that they care about without it being money that they are having to you know, dig into their wallets and take and, and, and donate, but what's money that we're already spending or, and resources that we're already using that we can enable people to channel towards goodness and well as instead and have that joy of giving that I was looking for. I really resonate with two two things there. First, this idea that you can love your job, but also feel like there's something more out there because that's certainly something that I felt and part of the journey of creating this podcast, just wanting to, I guess, learn from women who were living their lives and in particular their work lives a little bit differently and in the process creating impact. The other thing that really resonates is this idea that we can maybe gift better. If we're going to be spending that money anyway, maybe there's a way to make this more both meaningful, but also mindful. So how did then that idea that you had from teaching yoga for Koha become the good registry? It became the good registry because I was looking for that thing that people were spending money on that wasn't money that was being spent mindfully or purposefully. And I thought about what are the things that we do spend money on where we currently have that sense of, I know that I'm not spending this money very, very well. And while I was doing that mindfulness project, my kind of life, there were a couple of moments in that that made me see that gifts was a massive opportunity and that, that we're wasting um, a lot of the time um, in terms of the, the money that gets spent there and, and the love that, that goes into it. The first, of it. the first of those experiences was I was decluttering the house. And um, as I was doing that, I found a whole drawer that yeah. was full of gifts that I've been given as secret Santas and, and that kind of thing in the past and stuff that I had never used and never would use, but I had kept mm-hmm. just in case I could maybe regift it. Um, maybe somebody thought that, that it was funny. Yep. I have a similar drawer. Yeah. And it's like, I, I didn't want it. And the person I'm going to regift it to probably doesn't want it, but I might as well just hold on to it and find a way to pass it along instead of throwing it away. I also had under my stairs a few things that I've been given as you know maybe more sensible gift, but still gifts that I couldn't use. And an example of that was a box of glasses, perfectly good wine glasses. But I also already had a cupboard full of perfectly good wine glasses. 
and I was keeping these ones just in case (laughs) at some stage I had broken wine glasses and it was time to pull out the box that was in the cupboard. But the problem with that is that could be years away. And and when I do need some new glasses, why don't I just go and buy some secondhand ones instead of stashing some in my cupboard that, you know, had to be made and, and there was a whole kind of impact on the planet of creating this resource that was just sitting under my stairs. And then the next experience which led me to see that there was this opportunity around gifts was that I had a birthday and my mother, as she always did, asked me what I would like for my birthday gift and I said, please don't get me anything, I really don't need anything. I said to her, if you really have to give me something, then what I would really like would be for you to home make me some gloves. Mum was a knitter and what she heard was gloves and what she did was go into a department store and buy some gloves that were not gloves that I would wear and that had been made overseas and uh, had been packaged with plastic and and then shipped to New Zealand and me opening that box and feeling really sad that my mum had spent her money and and her time on something that I that I really, really just simply would never wear. And I donated those gloves to a homeless person in Wellington where I live. And in that moment thought, if only mum's money, you know, had come to me just to give straight to this homeless person or to a service that could support people who are homeless instead of her money going into um, some gloves that had an environmental impact um, as well as the, the money that was wasted on those gloves that, you know, being able to give the money to that service or to that person would have made sure that somebody really got what they needed instead of that pair of gloves. I think, though, that that story also highlights the fact that even though resources were wasted, it was done with the best intention, right? Your mum heard the word gloves. She knew that was something that you wanted, and so she she bought you some gloves. And I think so much gifting is like that. We are trying to do something meaningful and something that will be appreciated. And many people, I think, don't realize the scale of the impact that gifting has on the planet. So part of it is just how can we take these resources that are already being spent and direct them more meaningfully? And then secondly, I guess, also, how do we educate people that this is what's happening um, at gifting seasons? I think in the UK... 19% of unwanted gifts end up in landfill after Christmas, and even things that are returned. We assume those are being resold, but many of them are actually destroyed or sent to landfill because it's cheaper to do that than it is to store them and resell them. So the whole culture and the business model around gifting needs to change. Yeah, you're so right. So how does the good registry work? The way that it works is... Uh, we have two two main ways for people to give. The first way is uh, registries. That's why we are called the good registry. So it works like a wedding registry, except that you can use it for, for a birthday or a wedding or any kind of occasion when you know that you're almost certainly going to get gifts and you would like to let your friends or family know that what you would like is a donation to a charity that you've chosen instead. So you can create a registry and choose your charity and send the link to your friends and family and they make donations onto your fundraising page and they leave comments and you can all see how much has been collectively raised for the charity that you chose. So it sends a really clear wish to your friends and family instead of me saying to my mum, 
oh, please don't get me anything, but if you really must, then I suppose you could make me some gloves. I, I'm able to say, or I was able to say to my mum, what I would like is a donation to this charity, and it's really simple on this website, and I'll be able to see that people have donated, and that will make me really happy. And then the second way is we have gift cards, and that was really in response to a lot of people saying to us, well, I don't really feel comfortable setting up a registry, but I'd like to say to my friends and family to donate through the good registry, but without without me setting up a registry. And it was also in response to businesses saying, how can we give our clients or our staff um, the opportunity to donate to causes that they choose, uh, particularly for Christmas gifts and Secret Santa gifts? So the way that it works with our gift cards is an employer, for example, can give every single member of their staff one of uh, the Good Registry's gift cards, and then each individual can go and choose which charities they would like to donate to. They get that personal experience of choosing the charities, of doing the giving, of feeling really good, and they've got a $50 gift card Mm. and they split it between 10 different charities. That's 10 different little hits of of, um, the giver's high off one gift card. And it's also a really worthy use of gift and and resource and money as opposed to, I don't know, a personalized block of stationery, which maybe you'll use, but most likely it will go in the bottom of the drawer somewhere. Yeah, totally. And one of the best examples I've got of that from last year was there was a, a company that was going to send all of its clients across New Zealand a branded Lazy Susan. If you know what a Lazy Susan is, it's yeah. one of those kind of wheels that you can put in the middle of a table and put food on it. Um, and, and, and it was going to be branded with the company name and it was going to be made in a factory in China and then shipped to New Zealand. And they had to cancel that gift because the the factory in China ran out of coal, and then there were shipping delays, supply um, disruptions last Christmas. So you think about everything that was going to go into the production of that Lazy Susan from the wood and, and how that wood was going to be farmed and the factory processes through to the shipping and then the distribution and the packaging in New Zealand. And instead of all of that waste, what they decided to do was give all of those clients a, a gift card from the Good Registry instead And many of them almost certainly would never have used a branded Lazy Susan. So they weren't really forgoing a thing that they really wanted. And and instead, they had money that they can do some real good with. And we hear from a lot of the people, the businesses in particular, that use the Good Registry and, and, and give their staff the opportunity to give to charities that they care about at Christmas. But a lot of staff feel that it's a wonderful opportunity at Christmas time to be able to give to causes that have benefited them and their families throughout the year and and they might not normally be in a position to be able to donate money and this gives them the ability to do that. Yeah and it also it removes that how do we innovate how do we give a better gift than last year thing which you often see in corporate gifting. I've been in these discussions where they're like what are we going to do for our end of year gift? We did uh, notebooks last year and we did mugs and keychains the year before. So what are we going to do? And actually, nobody wants any of this stuff. Um, so <laughs> you just remove that entire spend on something that no one really wants. Yeah. And often that um, conversation has become, how can we give a more sustainable gift? And they've done the keep cuts and they've 
done the reusable bags and you know they're starting to cycle around to show we do that again but the fact is is that once somebody has a keep cup that's no longer a sustainable gift because you only need one and and that's the case with so many so many gifts I like to ask guests on this show for a book recommendation, mostly because I'm always keen to get stuck into new reads, but also because their recommendations often surprise me and I always learn something that stays with me. So Christine recommended Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and this comes from Marcus Aurelius's own diaries and was estimated to have been written between 170 and 180 AD. These were never intended for publication and were essentially his reflections on how to live a good life and how to responsibly use the power that he had. And this quote jumped out at me a number of times as I flicked through the book. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. So this is something that I hear again and again in the conversations I have on this podcast, the obstacles that we encounter in life are the lessons. The act of doing, not necessarily the solution or getting to the other side, is the point of it. I'll leave you to reflect on that for a bit. But for now, back to our chat. The goal, I suppose, is to completely change the conversation around gifting. So it becomes less about stuff and more about spending or using resources effectively. You've written and you've said that every dollar you spend is a vote for the world you want. I love this message because I think it forces you to stop and think before spending and it forces you to be intentional about that spending. So how can we encourage a more intentional mindset around gifting? And what can we do to change our own spending or gifting habits? I have said that every dollar that we spend is a vote for the world that we want many times. And I don't claim that it's mine. I can't tell you where I heard it. And I and I think it's one of the most wonderful, repeatable things that I've heard and something to remember every time we, we go to spend. Do we need to buy this? Is it something that I love, that's going to give me joy, that somebody else is going to love, that's going to bring them joy. If I do need it, is it something that I must buy new? Or is it something that I could buy secondhand or something that I could borrow? Yeah. If it's a gift, does this person really need a thing? Uh, Has this thing been made locally and therefore it's going to have fewer air miles and carbon emissions associated with it than something made overseas? Has it been made ethically and sustainably? Were people paid fairly to to make this item, which we know often isn't the case with um, cheap imported T-shirt, for example, or a lot of the the plastic knickknacks that you might buy? So asking yourself really good questions, first of all, about whether the thing that you're buying must be bought, must be bought new, could be bought Mm -hmm. locally, and whether... The, the particular item has been made as, as ethically and sustainably as it could be. In terms of Christmas buying or any kind of gift buying, most people will tell you that all they really want is for you to show that you are thinking of them with a phone call or a visit. Yeah. Who hasn't heard that from, from their parents? And we always second guess it and think, oh, no, I must 
buy the person a thing. And that goes back to the conversation with my mother around the gloves. I knew that it wouldn't satisfy her if I said, no, don't give me anything. So I had to offer her something that she could give. But maybe trust that it is okay not to give people things if they've said they don't want anything. And could you make them a dinner, take them out for dinner? So thinking about experiences instead of stuff, what can you make at home? What can you upcycle and recycle? Make it okay to give secondhand gifts. I don't know where we've gone wrong in society that we have a discomfort with giving people anything that's secondhand. But I used to go to secondhand book fairs and stock up on books for my mum. And, you know, I felt like it it was more of a gift to give somebody a new book. But if we're thinking about long-term sustainability of the planet, then, you know, and you're thinking about gifts for children, what children really need is a livable planet. And why would we give children a whole lot of new stuff when we could give them the book that they need or the clothing that they need or the toy that they need secondhand and save resources so that those resources are going to be there when they need them later in life. Yes, yes, I agree that we've become really uncomfortable about gifting secondhand. And in fact, when you talked about how you felt it's more of a gift to give a new book, instinctively, I agreed. I mean, you can't give a secondhand book. But rationally, it makes you realize how ingrained these ideas about gifts are. Where did this come from? Because as a child, certainly I was encouraged to hand make gifts. There was no expectation to buy new. Most kids I knew were encouraged to hand make gifts, and I still encourage my kids to make them. But I feel uncomfortable about giving them secondhand gifts, and I feel super uncomfortable about giving secondhand gifts to their friends. And even you know, gifting experiences or donations to kids can be challenging because I feel that for little minds, it can be really intangible. That said, my kids have received those animal sponsorships from WWF as gifts, which they love, Um, but it comes with stuff. It comes with a toy and an info pack and a booklet of stickers and information about the animal once a quarter, I believe. But what are your tips on more mindful and more sustainable gifts for kids? Heaps of angles to answer that question. First of all, I have a hunch that the discomfort with not giving children gifts starts with adults. That we went through childhood receiving gifts and associating our birthdays and Christmas with receiving gifts. And we are passing that on. And that there's an opportunity for our generation to become the circuit breakers in that. And I've heard people say, well, you couldn't not give children gifts, could you? And I'm like, where's that coming from? Um, At what stage are the children deciding that versus the adults deciding that? That's a really good point. And of course, children will get to an age where they go to other children's birthday parties and at an age, they'll start to see that other children are getting gifts and that will become something that, that they will start to expect. But there's an age before that where... yeah. Parents are receiving a lot of stuff that they don't really want or need those first couple of birthdays. And we've seen parents using the good registry for those first couple of birthdays where they're like, hey, we received so much at the baby shower and and so much when when our baby was born. We definitely don't need more stuff for, for baby's first birthday or second birthday when that expectation of gifts isn't there yet. And then as children get older, what I'm seeing works well in terms of that shift from 
just just receiving to, to giving as well is when that is part of a wider set of values in the family. Yeah. So not just taking away gifts and saying, aha, sorry, you're not getting gifts. We're giving all of the money to a charity for your birthday. But the family throughout the year has talked about, gosh, there are other children who don't have what you have and what we have and and what must it be like to be those children or, you know, you care about animals and and what could you be doing to, to help animals that need love and care So I've seen a lot of children using the birthday registry side of the good registry, but 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th birthdays, it seems that there's an age there where children are a little bit more aware and would like to do something a little bit different. And it doesn't have to be all of their gifts or all of their birthdays, although there's there's one young girl that I've seen use the good registry for her 8th, 9th, 10th and 11th birthday and choose environmental charities each time because, yeah, she understands already that she wants to be somebody who who makes the world a better place and that she can do that with her birthday. And the more that children go to other children's birthday parties and see that a child has chosen to do this cool thing of, of giving to support the environment or other children or animals, then the more that we might see other children going, oh, that's something that you can do on your birthday, which is a fun and cool thing to do. And and most children probably don't love or use a lot of the stuff that they receive on their birthdays, but they're still attached to the idea of receiving that stuff. And that is a question we need to ask ourselves around how much are we conditioning children to that and could we be teaching them and giving them the chance to experience something different. And how does that happen as part of an everyday way of thinking differently rather than just when you get to gift? I think that's such an important point. And I'm guilty of it myself. We have conditioned our children to expect gifts at Christmas time or birthdays. And we have conditioned them to expect certain kinds of gifts. And yes, I can completely see that it could become really cool if a kid has a birthday party. They say at the birthday party, you know, thank you all for your donations, which have been given to this charity. And that could become the cool thing that kids want to do for their birthdays. Something that I have seen here in Malaysia. And if there's anybody who's looking for a really fun gift for children in Malaysia, there's a sun bear sanctuary in Sabah. And you can gift those sun bears things like a pot of honey or a massage or (laughs) an hour of exercise uh, all on the website. And my kids loved that, absolutely loved that. But I also wanted to touch on some of the environmental aspects of holiday gifting because earlier you mentioned a bunch of things that I hadn't even considered uh, in addition to the plastic packaging and the logistics. But we also need to consider the social and environmental aspects of gifting, I suppose, the wages that people are being paid, what that gift is actually made of. So what are some of the environmental aspects, negative environmental and social aspects of gifting that maybe we should be aware of that it's really easy not to be aware of because of how seamless ordering things online has become? 
well, actually, it's all very, very hard to quantify. But one of the statistics that I see in New Zealand, and I think might be pretty similar around the world, is that after Christmas, there's a 30% increase in household waste. And a lot of that is the gift uh, packaging, etc. And most of it can't be recycled. But that's just one end of the journey for that gift. And you take it, you play it all the way back to the beginning. And if you think about something like a cotton T-shirt, there was the cotton production. And what were the working conditions like for that cotton production? What was the care of the land like for that cotton production? Then it went into a factory. And what were those factory conditions like? And what were the environmental costs of that production in the factory, we hear in some parts of the world that the rivers change colour with the colour of the seasons. That's the level of impact uh, from clothing manufacturing. And then that that T-shirt is going to be packaged and, and have labelling put on it and all of that has an environmental impact. And the packaging and the wrapping are almost certainly going to go to landfill. And then at some point, that T-shirt is probably going to go to landfill as well. You may or may not ever wear it before it goes to landfill. You may wear it once or twice because it was a funny Christmas Day T-shirt that you felt like you needed to wear on Christmas Day for your auntie or for your grandparents or friends. Maybe you're going to put it into a second-hand clothing bin rather than put it into landfill, but is anybody really going to want it? And so much of the stuff in secondhand clothing bins cannot be sold and ends up being shipped offshore again and to often developing countries and often in those developing countries it will end up in a massive mountain of landfill there instead of in our own landfill here. And we, we think, oh, that's okay, you know, I, I donated my, my T-shirt and I don't have to feel bad about that. And I'm not saying feel bad I'm saying be conscious. You know, I <laughs> that made me pause for a minute because yesterday I was trying to buy some swimsuits for my kids. On the website that I was shopping on was these sets of matching family Christmas pajamas. And I came very close to buying us all a set of these matching Christmas pajamas because I thought that would be super fun on Christmas Day to all wear these pajamas. But we will probably only wear them once because they all match. And by next Christmas, my kids will not be fitting those pajamas anymore. And I have seen these mountains of clothing that cannot be, re- cannot be resold Um perhaps can't even be reused easily. And it feels like it feels like you've done something good because you've donated it and it's then out of your sight. But actually there's a whole chain that that goes down, which ends up on a, a mountain of used clothing somewhere in Africa that can't be used and creates a massive environmental problem for the people there. So it starts with just not purchasing in the first place. It does. It's hard, isn't it, when what we are up against is this massive, massive consumer marketing machine, which is encouraging you to buy these super cute pyjamas that you think are going to make Christmas so much more fun. And 
they would be fun to wear on the day. But is the cost to the planet that you are leaving for your children worth it for that that one day of, of cute photos and fun? And that's that's a question that you need you need to decide for yourself with each purchase that you make. The other thing that I didn't talk to before in terms of the waste, and I think you touched on it earlier in the conversation, is often with these things that we buy online, we think that if the person doesn't like it, they can return it, or uh, if it's not the right size, it can be returned. And so much of the stuff that gets returned will not even go back on the shelves. It's just built into the pricing model, the business model for these online stores, they throw it away and it goes straight to landfill. And I see people ordering two sizes of something so that they can send one back because they're not sure which size they want or knowing full well that what they're buying is a gift for someone might not be to that person's taste, but using again that kind of like get out of jail card like we use with oh well I can donate it well oh oh, well it can be sent back but sending it back doesn't put it back on the shelf. And if the cost of returns is built into the pricing model then what is the actual cost of that item? Because there is a payoff somewhere whether it's that the workers who made the product were not paid a fair wage or it was made with materials that were really unfriendly to the planet It's an extremely convenient way of shopping and it's certainly a model that encourages us to spend more or spend more frequently, but we are paying for this in the long run. And if it seems too cheap, then it is. And making sure that you're choosing to buy from manufacturers that are using ethical and sustainable practices. Pay the real price um, and know that by doing that, other people um, are being paid fairly and, and the price is not being passed on to the planet, to future generations. Yeah. I want to go into now some of the real feel-good stories that have come out of the Good Registry. Do you know what kind of impact that you've had on the organizations you support? And have they come to you and given you feedback on the impact that the Good Registry has made on them? I feel like a lot of the impact starts with the giver. Yeah. That they get a kind of joy that they didn't know that they could experience from giving a a gift to someone else that actually has a meaningful impact or from being the recipient of a gift from someone else that actually has a, a meaningful impact. The stories I love the most are the ones of the children that yeah. have used the good registry for their birthdays and Maybe they've raised $100 or a couple of hundred dollars for a charity that they care about. And to them, that is a massive accomplishment. And for that charity, the $100 or or however much gets raised, that, that might not be a massive amount for that charity on the scale of their their financial needs and their costs over a year. But it's a new generation of givers that we're creating It's a new demographic of givers, so it's not the people who who are used to um, supporting that charity and and to making a regular contribution to charity. It's people who are experiencing the opportunity to give that they would have spent on something else. For those charities, it's also some exposure to new people that they wouldn't have otherwise had. And I've heard really wonderful stories 
about uh, charities that have found new volunteers as a result of people discovering them on the good registry. Mm, um, so people make a donation and then they go, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to volunteer for that charity or I might, I might give in an ongoing way to that charity. And I've also heard stories of people that could benefit from the services of those charities that hadn't even been aware that those charities existed that could support them and they're now getting support that they need. And then, of course, there's all of the environmental impact, all of the carbon emissions that we've saved from things that might have been given. If you take the example of those Lazy Susans and think about all of the environmental impacts of those or every T-shirt that might have been given that wasn't really ever going to be worn. You know, I really celebrate uh, every gift that has been replaced with a donation because of the environmental benefit of that. There's just thousands of trees which have been planted yeah. now by uh, environmental charities, for example, thanks to donations that have happened through the Good Registry. There are hundreds of families that have received meals or or a cake delivered to them when they're, when they're in a time of stress. There are people with postnatal anxiety and depression or who are going through really stressful periods with fertility treatment who have received support from services that can help them. There are dogs that have got full bellies. Yeah. There are birds that have been rescued. It just goes on and on. In every single gift, you know, it can really make a positive difference in the world. Yeah, I love that. As you say, impact in so many ways and if it is teaching a new generation of givers to think differently about gifting, then then that's success. But what does success look like for you and the Good Registry team? To me, success is more people pausing to think before they buy things. And that's gifts. And it's also much broader than that. I think that if we start people thinking twice before they buy a gift for someone else, then that flows through into their other purchasing decisions. So I really, really want every gift that's given to be a gift that counts. I want our positive contribution to be that resources are being saved for future generations because people are not giving gifts that aren't wanted or needed, and that flows through into other things that they're buying as well. And what makes you feel on purpose? We've got three pillars Mm -hmm. to why we exist at the Good Registry, and I think all of those speak to it. So the first pillar is about giving simply. I know that I can get so much joy from giving, and I want to make it simple for other people to have that experience and to have that joy. The second pillar is about helping good causes. There is so much unmet need in our communities and it breaks my heart to see that many of us have so much more than what we need and we are continuing to make purchases of things that we don't even want or need when that money could be supporting services and people that really do have needs that are not being met. And then the third pillar is reducing waste. And I've become increasingly motivated since starting the Good Registry. And like I said, I used to buy more stuff and I now buy very, very little because I feel on purpose when I'm consuming less, when I can feel like I'm not stealing from future generations to have stuff that I'm not entitled to or or I don't 
need. I worry that we're taking so much more of the planet's resources than what the planet can sustain. And I want to be part of the solution on that. And I feel like we are part of the solution with what we're doing at the Good Registry. Yeah, you're definitely part of the solution. The work that you're doing is is incredible. And, and I also feel like we're robbing our children of the opportunities that we had, or certainly the opportunities I had growing up, because it looks like we might not be able to keep global warming within 1.5 degrees. But I think it's also about shifting habits, right? Thinking before clicking add to cart on that family set of Christmas pajamas, which are fun and they are affordable and it is so easy to do. We know that we are asking people to do something that is a, is a change to a deeply entrenched behavior around gift giving. You know, as a parent, you, you have that sense of what you described, wanting to, to give things to your children that will be fun in the moment. And how can we shift people to thinking about actually the, the thing that's much more important for my children is a sustainable future and how do I show leadership and contribute on that rather than getting caught up in I want to be the best parent because I gave yeah. the best Christmas gift or we all had the best day in our new Christmas pajamas. Yeah, and that kind of mindset is actually much more about the parent and or me and my stuff than it is about wanting to do something nice for my kids. So thank you for pointing that out as well. I think that that was a really, really important point. You raised a lot of things that I hadn't really thought about in terms of gifting because wider than the environmental impact, this is about shifting the entire conversation around how we gift and how we do it in a way that is more meaningful as well as more mindful. And I hope that the Good Registry continues to grow as it has been and the conversations you're having around gifting continue to shape the conversation moving forward. Thank you so much. These sorts of conversations are a really important part of that. So I've really, really enjoyed talking with you and I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas and find ways to celebrate that do spread the the joy of Christmas and uh, do spread the joy of giving as well. If you want to give more mindfully and sustainably this Christmas, I will be publishing a good gift guide soon. So look out for this on Instagram and on thepurposeeffectpod.com. If you're in New Zealand and want to learn more about the Good Registry, purchase a gift card or set up your own registry, the details are all in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Purpose Effect. This is a purposeful audio production. Bye for now.